0: we have with us a repeat Pete guest to Street Smart Success, uh, nice guy and very, very smart guy and very experienced guy and uh, has some unique insights into the uh, economy that, um, you know, a lot, a lot of people don't have. I don't have. And that's why I wanted him back on the show because uh, last year's conversation was enlightening. Uh, he is the founder and principal at Aspen Funds. He is Bob Fraser. Bob, welcome back to Street Smart Success.
1: Yeah, great to be back.
0: Yep, you got it. And you know, you asked before I hit the button, what are we gonna talk about? And I, I think that was a fair question. And so I guess what I would open up this, uh, this session with is this, what the heck is going on in the world right now you know, brush stroke, and I asked a question because you gave a great presentation at um, the Capital Raise Conference in Louisville, and um, yeah, interest rates and um, asset classes, and you know, prognostication generally.
1: Well, it's really been driven by the the Fed, and you know, the Fed is the eight hundred pound gorilla in the economic world, and what they did during the, the you know the the COVID kind of crisis they did something they've never done before and that's direct payments to individuals and uh, and i sh- i've showed some pretty crazy charts at the at the event you you saw that showed cash you know 5 trillion in cash sitting on sitting on individuals you know bank accounts nothing like this has ever been seen it literally is 5 to 10 times higher than it's ever been so this this idea of you know in the past stimulus was was um, Uh, you know, it was kind of pushing a rope. It was really just they would lower interest rates. But as you know, I mean you know, if, if there's no deals out, you know, and I offer you a 2% interest rate, what do you care? Right. You know, so it's, it's pushing a rope, it really. And so, but the idea of doing direct payments to individuals, it's never been done until recently. And now we know what, what it does. It's, it's like, it's like, you know, it's like crack direct to the, to the brain. I don't even know what crack does, but, you know, <laughs> that's let's assume that, it's well, like that's crack good, That's to good. Brain. I'm glad we established,
0: <laughs> glad we established that. <laughs> So what? The, what you know? Look, man, I, I, I stated. You know, tell me what what has it done?
1: Well, it's. I mean, it's created incredible. I mean, you know, I use an example in the in the event you were at. It's like, okay, well, what what would happen if literally they just let just take an extreme case, right? They wired one million dollars to every man, woman, and child in America, right? And just free money. What would happen? Well, a lot of people would quit their job, right? You know, a lot of people would go out and buy stuff, and well, they buy? they'd they buy anything, right? They they'd go buy crypto, they'd go hotels, they'd go buy buy cars, and you know, whatever, and and and, uh, and leave the workforce. And it's exactly what we've seen, right? Uh, where where we've seen just you know and, and, you know take scale it down quite a bit, obviously, because it wasn't that extreme. But this this direct injection of cash, you know, to use Ben Bernanke's old picture, you know, helico- dropping money from helicopters, right? He made a joke about about that. Hey, we can we can absolutely, you know, solve solve deflation by dropping money from helicopters. Well, that's what he did, and what happens is people go out and spend, and they 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 quit their job, they go out and spend, and it's exactly what we what we've seen. We've seen a lot of people exiting the workforce, in incredible demand for everything um, and so it's 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 a very different world.
0: And is this uh, what what I guess? How much of this is uh, responsible for the inflation that we're seeing?
1: Oh yeah, all of it. Um, you know, well, no, I, I won't say I won't say all of it because there is a you know a, a difference with the uh, with the uh, the stimulus and the uh, and oil and gas, right? So there's a huge dimension of this is being caused by oil and gas,
0: the oil and gas issues. And is this uh, the oil and gas issues uh, um, created by the war in in Europe?
1: The oil and gas issues have been created by massive underinvestment since 2015. So, so what what happened is during, you know, so if you remember the uh, and this is a, this is a very big deal. So if you remember, there became a narrative that we were kind of post fossil fuel. you know that we, and, and it's because of the, the Obama, the Obama years. Right. The economy never quite took off. You remember that we kind of had the recession that never ended. Yeah. And 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 so demand never really grew much. And so, so this idea that we had, we had reached peak fossil fuel demand kind of was coming forth, and in fact, it did. And and, and you know, we we, we saw fossil fuel demand kind of tapering off and kind of peaking. And so, this idea that we're post fossil fuels, and this 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 got the elite, this captured the minds and, and thinking of pretty much all the who the, the the who's who. And this idea that we should know that we don't need fossils anymore. And uh, it's kind of ridiculous since we're 85 percent of energy usage today is fossil fuels, and that number only only drops a few percentage points even over over the last the next 50 years. But what happened is investment in fossil fuels dropped 55 percent globally. Now that's you know that's not like dropping investment in real estate or something else because it takes capital just to keep fields from depleting. So you know, uh, it's it, there's there's no steady state in the energy business. So if you don't massively invest, you have to massively invest just to maintain production, right? Just to maintain equal production. In fact, the investment dropped by fifty five percent over the last seven years. And so this is just massive. I mean, we have we have not enough capital invested in the fossil fuel industry, and it and that's you know simultaneously has been undermined uh, undermined because of you know, really, you know, politicians are, they don't want, uh, they're they're trying to create what they call the transition into green energy. And, and so they actually want high fuel for fuel prices. So they're, they're going around and John Kerry has been going around and, and trying to get fossil fuels unfunded. You know, it's, it's all, it's like, you know, you know, these guys, these guys are playing with loaded guns and they really should be all fired. You know, these, uh, these politicians. Um, So it's just, it's just really foolish.
0: Uh, When you say investment had gone down 55%, who, who invests in energy and, and, you know, gas and oil production, like who pulled back and didn't invest?
1: I mean, all the bigs, all the major producers, um, you know, if you just look at money spent on oil and gas production, it dropped 55%, which is, which is enormous. And and the problem is it's not just a switch you, you can flip, right? It takes years to develop oil fields and, and oil capacity. So, so we're seeing a pretty massive, massive just shortage. And, and, you know, we are seeing, you know, it's why Goldman Sachs is predicting oil price in the, at 140 bucks. And, uh, you know, soon. And uh, so, so we've had a little bit of a reprieve because Europe has had a really mild winter. And so, you know, we have, it's great buying opportunity for e-
0: energy. What, is, what will that translate to prices at the pump?
1: I can't tell you that, but well, let's, let's, so that would be, uh, you know, that would be, um, you know, what, I mean, basically, you know, close to double. Oh my God.
0: Oh, yay, yay. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Um, and, and you, you realize, you know, so, you know, Bunch of politicians want this, right? They want that because they want us to, they want it to be so painful, fossil fuels to be not competitive relative to green energy and green other green solutions. The problem is there is just is not enough green solutions. It's not you know, you know. I mean, you you erect a windmill, right? Well, you have to you have to forge that in a blast furnace that's burning coal. You you transport it in trucks on a road system that burn diesel. You erect it with cranes that burn diesel. I mean, the world is just we're just not ready, right? We're just not not ready for this green transition. It's just a much slower transition, and. And you know, according to one statistic, uh, I believe it was five percent of vehicles sold last year were electric vehicles, but use sixty-five percent of lithium production. You know, so we're just not ready, right? As much as we we can wish it all all day long, but we we're just not not ready. And of course, then you have the environmentalists are also restricting mining and those kind of things. You know, it's uh, not in my backyard. And, you know, if we're actually going to, are going to do a green revolution, we need, we need about, I think, uh, I think the number is 60 times more lithium, you know, you know, well, you're going to have to dig that out of the ground. Guess what? Using, using diesel, you know, you're going to have to take it out. So, so it's like, no one's doing the math, you know, no one's doing the math and, uh, you know politicians, God bless them, you know, they're, you know, math has never, never been the strong, strong suit. Right. So there aren't that many
0: mathematicians that go into politics. It's usually, attorney, <laughs> usually there, attorneys.
1: There, there there should be, you know, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start a new movement. It's called the no lawyers in movement. And we, we, we get rid of all lawyers from politics. If you are a lawyer, you're actually barred from politics for life. That that's my plan. And I, I think it would solve every problem in politics.
0: You know what? 99% of the lawyers give the other 1% a bad reputation.
1: <laughs> you know, I, I don't really have anything against lawyers. I just don't think they should be running our country. Okay. <laughs> and, and I don't think they should be, be making economic decisions, you know, so. Um, I, I don't
0: either. Um, so let me dovetail. What's the, I know that you guys have either sponsored, co-sponsored, I, I've heard you talk about oil and gas, isn't it? Is a good investment. Oh, yeah. And, and that's what I'm really curious about. And, and, and what role do you play in that? And like, what does that look like from a return tax efficiency? Is it, it does it, does it yield cash, et cetera?
1: Yeah, it's honestly, it's incredible, um, especially for guys, you know, you, you know, you and I cut our teeth in real estate investing, right? You go to oil and gas and it's like the numbers are just way, way higher. I mean, you, you, you buy these things on pretty much current cash flow. Um, not even on on future drilling opportunities but but you you know you're buying you know you know what a, a cap rate is right in a multifamily or, we're buying in cap rates at you know 5% you know maybe 6 6%. Well the, the cap rates of an oil and gas field are are high double digits you know 20s and 30s and that's without any you know with that's with current production you know and 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 then it has incredible tax benefits too, with the depletion, where you uh, you get you get depletion and depreciation. So and any any drilling expense as well is is tax deductible. So so it's it's quite tax efficient as an investment and. Uh, and so the, the numbers are just are just nuts. Um, I mean, uh, you know, you got to be prepared for volatility. So so you, you, we don't we don't leverage or we leverage very lightly. And uh, you know, knowing that it's a volatile game, you just you don't want to get shaken out you know, so you, you leverage lightly, but you still get better returns even without leverage in real estate.
0: (laughs) Why, why is it, why is it so high? Why why are the returns so
1: high? Well, it's out of favor. It's out of, it's Uh out of favor, right? You know, I, I lived through, through the dot-com crash. Okay. And you know, why Why was Amazon.com, you know, one day X and the next day Y? I mean, it dropped 95% of its value. It's the same company. So it was out of favor. Well, oil and gas is very out of favor. And it's a dirty, ugly industry. You know, I don't want to apologize. I don't want to be an apologist for uh, for oil and gas. You know, it's dirty, ugly. We, but we all need it. And everyone, you know, even the protesters, That was... It was a it was a funny, funny article in the Wall Street Journal a few weeks back, you know, all the protesters that protesting oil and gas energy, you know, driving their cars. You know. To the to the protest. <laughs> you, you, to the protest. <laughs> <laughs> and uh You know, you know, and I, I, but I get where I get where they're at. They're saying, Hey, let's, let's diversify. But there's no answer right now. there's no real answer. Um, you know, people say, well, go green, you know, you know, you know, drive your, drive your, your electric vehicle. Well, that's great. But that electric vehicle took a massive amount of fossil fuel to build. Right. And, uh, you know, no one's, no one's doing the math. Um, I mean, a lot of people are doing the math. The EIA is doing the math and it's not, it's not a pretty picture, you know, for, for the world to get off fossil fuels. It's a, it's a long and difficult road. And if we're serious about it, we should be making some massive investments in, uh, in, in, in a lot of things, you know, like I think, I think we 60 times the lithium, uh, if I recall, and, 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 the chromium, a whole bunch of whole bunch of things that just have to massively go up, and uh, and of course those things aren't being permitted. You know,
0: it's a huge conundrum because the next question is: is where does the money come from? Right? We're, we're probably you know we probably already are in a recession. We're certainly heading into a recession. We're thirty trillion dollars in debt. And we got all these problems. It's like, where does even the money come from? When, when you when you invest, um, I know that there are other investments you can make. The, the other the other asset class, which is not the same thing in the least, but at all, but the returns are sign up you know, in that ballpark. I'm thinking of ATM funds, where it's like low, you know, twenties, so maybe twenty two percent or twenty one percent. Uh, but you don't at the end of, at the end of the term, five or seven years, there is no value left in the asset. So, you know, all that return is basically in cash flow. Is that did you say not so with oil and gas? You said there's appreciation as well
1: in oil and gas. Appreciation? Yeah. Yeah. Well, what what so we just we just bought an oil field. Okay. And, and um, you know, hired major experts to do the due diligence on the field, hired, you know, a specialist law firm to do all the due diligence there. But the, but the field is only 20% developed and it's already cash flowing. I mean, we're, we're going to be... You know, we're uh, re- returning you know double digit returns to our investors. Um, you know, um, you know conservative, and that's on existing production. Now add the fact that well, we've got five x land that we can drill, and we just and we just drilled two two wells and hit oil, right? So, <laughs> you know, um, you know uh, the the numbers are nuts, and um, you know it's it's. You know, there's it's diff, it's a much difficult, it's much more difficult place to invest. You have to know a lot more than just real estate. And, and it's a little more complicated of an asset, but, you know, it's worth, it's worth learning about.
0: Are do you, when you say we, are you, are you basically, is your role kind of a co GP? Are you basically raising capital for, uh, and there's another operator boots on the ground?
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We, we working with an experienced operator, we're getting get to getting ready to do another, another one with a, you know, operator has been doing this for 40 years and as a track record, you know, it's, it's insane. And, uh, um, so yeah, yeah, definitely partnering with, with guys like this, uh. You know, but but we're the ones determining kind of capital deployment, uh, you know, you know, uh, metrics and those kind of things. You know, what, what you know, are we going to drill? How much are we going to drill? Those kind of things and going over the science with the with the with the scientists and other things. But yeah, so we're 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 driving a lot of that. I see.
0: Uh, and What's the exit typically? Who are you, are you selling them? What's what's the hold and who buys it and buys them and all that?
1: The, the, yes. Yeah, so this is interesting where oil and gas is very different, right? We didn't even model an exit. We just modeled cash flows because the cash flows are so dang strong and, and at that they are exitable. They are exitable. You know, you do have to model depletion. This is, it's not like real estate and that it yeah, is a that asset, it. Okay. So it's a very different thing. Um, um, and there's just, there's just a lot of ways to, to skin the cat. So,
0: you know, I, I got it. That, that makes a, a ton of sense. And thanks for bearing with the uh, oil and gas 101 I, questions. I'm,
1: I'm glad you're asking. It's a very interesting asset class, you know, and and it's it's very different than real estate. It sounds intriguing. You know,
0: I, I, I wish that we were in a green world as well. But right. yet I understand that it's not it's probably not plausible in the immediate future. And my greed would not get in the way of me investing in something like this like immediately because I love uh, getting the returns. Tell me about Aspen Funds. Is is Aspen? Did the Aspen Funds business start with first lien against single families? Because I know you have a fund that does
1: that. Yes, it actually started with second liens. Second okay. liens. So second liens are this most amazing little little investment that ever ever was, and um, you know people are terrified of them, and which is great because they're that make that makes the discounts insane. And, you know, so we, we started in second liens and, uh, now we do a lot of first lanes, We also do, uh, do, um, um, you know, re, you know, performing first liens? So that's our largest fund. And it's an Evergreen fund been operating 10 years is an, as an income fund.
0: What, why did you, why didn't you stick with, um, second liens?
1: Oh, we love them. We just, there we can't buy defaulted second liens anymore. So, so we would buy the defaulted liens for pennies on the dollar and that's great, but there are no more defaulted second liens out there. I you know the stimulus fixed that. You know I got it. Everybody's everybody's cash And I mean, default rates are at an all time low, and uh, you know, yeah, people think we're going. To, that's why I've been. If you've, you saw my my race fest presentation, you know, a lot of people are predicting you know this recession and all this. I'm I'm not. I mean, now they can. I I think they can produce it. It really it's in the it's in the hands of the Fed. But we we have not hit recession yet, and. I would be surprised if we saw it this year aka hitting a recession I mean because they pump so much flipping cash into the economy it's just it's just massively overheating and and I showed in the presentation I think you saw at the event we were at uh you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, like 10 different metrics that are still at all time highs are close. Right. The economic health wise. So we're not close and it's just creating enormous demand and retail and, you know, re- retail sales at 30 percent above trend line, which was already an accelerating upward trend line. I mean, people are flush.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting, because I'm thinking to myself, but in a, in a very macro way which is, in this case, a euphemism for unsophisticated way. Um, I'm thinking to myself, you know, if I'm the guy that got stimulus and it's, I don't know, what is it, 15? I guess it depends, but was it like 1,500 bucks a month or a couple grand a month? Isn't it like something around that amount of money?
1: Yeah, but, you know, people got PPP loans, right? People got un- un- unemployment, uh, you know, um, there was a lot of things floating around there. I mean, you know, it, it's a little bit of a mystery. If you you look at the cash figures, checking deposits are up, you know, since the stimulus are up by uh, 5x checking account deposits of households. <laughs> I mean, 5x. So from, the, you know, I'm looking at the chart here is from, it was 1 trillion throughout history. I mean, it just been 1 trillion, all of a sudden it hit 5 trillion. So, you know, it's PPP loans, it's who knows what. I mean, it's and there's a little bit of a mystery and some argument amongst economists of what is where whose money is this? Right? But there's a people are just sitting on a ton of cash. Um, and 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 then with the exiting of the workforce, right? You, you saw this massive decline in the participation rate, which is the number of people in the workforce, right? And the COVID, they they lost their job. Well, they, they and they never came back to work. And you know, Blackstone, I think it was, came out with a really great chart, overlaying that chart with the decline with with the participation rate and and with the decline in the uh, in the uh, sorry the aging the participation rate the the retirement may age, and all of a sudden there there it lines up. So people are just you know the boomers, bless our hearts, are retiring, and um, and so the work there's just the workforce is shrinking. Right for the first time, and uh, so it's just not enough workers. So all of a sudden, workers are are having this uh, this incredible you know boon of you know raises and everything else. And it actually you know I'm I'm a historian, a history buff, right? And uh, yeah, it's what I spend my time studying history. And it's like actually you know the great the great death, the great plague that wiped out you know forty percent of the population. Was what caused the the Renaissance? Okay, because basically it created such a shortage of workers. All the peasants were like, "No, I'm not working for you anymore." And they, there was no one to work, you know, work the uh, the old, you know, the old as as, as peasantry. Right? They they went and. They they got better jobs and uh and created this whole middle class. And yeah. started painting things. <laughs> started paintings, you know. And it was it was this whole this whole thing that that happened there and it was it was economically driven because of worker shortages. It was a massive shortage of workers. So, you know, I don't think we're going anywhere near there, but but you're you're seeing workers are gonna be in short supply just because of demographics. And I actually showed at the event you were at showed some pretty stunning demographic charts. I mean, the world's changing. The world the world we're living in is is radically changing now demographic charts are like showing people pictures of glaciers right they, they're, <laughs> they're not very exciting but they shape the freaking economic planet yeah. right and they're slow moving but they they are they they, they dwarf governments you know everybody says the government's 800 pound gorilla well this is the eight pound gorilla is demographics so the world's changing
0: dramatically well, so what are the ramifications, I'm just asking the obvious, but it's not obvious Otherwise, to me, otherwise I wouldn't ask it. So what are the ramifications of the, shrink, the shrinking of the workforce, the baby boomers ret- retiring before they thought that they were going to retire? And I suppose a shrinking labor pool equates to higher wages, and I get that. And so I guess, so where the rubber meets the road, then what are the implications?
1: Yeah, they, it's it's wages are going to be going to be higher. You're going to you're going to see lots of uh, lots of, um, you know, and, and America, you know, I, I showed the chart is is probably better. We're, we're the only developed nation that has a millennial generation. So as much as we don't understand them, we we appreciate them and we're glad they're here you know? <laughs> uh, and the world doesn't have them. They're they're missing. That's just this missing generation. Uh so, so you're going to see wages continue to be high and, and people are in demand. I mean, the the, the real shocker is a, is a country like China. And I showed in 75 years, you know, China's population will be half of what wow. it is today and their workforce will be one third what it is today. One third. So I ask you, With China at one third of its current workers and one half its current population, how many more apartment complexes are they going to need? How many more roads do they need? Number two, how, how much are they going to be exporting? Okay, so you're looking at one retired person for every every worker. Um, uh, it's just it just we the world is going to dramatically shift, and China the only the China's only future is is robotics. You know, like like America. So and, and today already, I mean, I, I showed a chart at the at the presentation you saw that showed Chinese wages, I believe, increasing by 15x in the last uh, few decades, 15-fold Chinese wages. And that's a, you know they're not the, the cheap guy in the block. Now it's actually competitive right now to manufacture in the United States. If you take an account, I take account of robotics and automation logistics and shipping and, you know, tariffs and other things. America is not for, for many industries is actually competitive. And that's why you're seeing this dramatic reshoring trend um, coming back to America. And this, this is a mega trend that is not, that is just getting started. Roger, just getting started. So th- there is hope for America. Oh, yeah. Yeah! Oh, yeah! Hundred
0: percent! Yeah! Yeah! My, My goodness! Yeah, you're already starting to see it. Well, in, in the short term, and I'm going to define the short term is 12 months. Let's call it 12 months, 12 to 24 months. What's your, you know, what's your guess where, where we are interest rate wise?
1: See, That's a human decision. So, you know, I, you know, and I originally thought, I mean, because these were democratically appointed, you know, and, and that I, I thought they were going to wuss out and, they gonna, you know, kind of, you know, it's a more of a fig leaf than reality. Um, But, you know, in in, in uh, you know they've they've really held a hard line and they're holding to the two percent line, uh, Roger. They they're 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 holding for two percent inflation. Well, so I don't believe two percent inflation isn't is attainable. Um and and for a couple of reasons. Um first is energy. Okay, energy is the mother of all commodities, meaning that it is not only the 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 largest commodity itself, but it also is underlying every other commodity. takes oil to produce, you know, you know, wheat and you know, uh, everything else. So, um, so I don't think we're going to be able to get to that. So the question is really how much stomach does the fed have to push us into recession? So I think they thought, I mean, you, so they, this last interest rate increase period, it's been one of the fastest, if not the fastest in history, right? Dramatic. And look, it hasn't caused recession yet. You know, um, you know, it hasn't caused recession and you look at, you know, consumer spending is hitting records right right now you look at uh you know unemployment is hitting records low low unemployment You've, you're seeing just records everywhere what's going on well this is the stimulus this stimulus has jacked everybody up and I uh, you know I I showed a I showed a chart at the, at the event you and I were both at there that that showed you know the the four big stimulus that have been taken place you know in the last uh, couple decades and the most recent one they should not have done they should not have done the stimulus it was purely political you know writing checks to people gets a vote right and that's the oldest trick in the book right and uh um and they they should not have done it because that was that was what caused the problems and created this massive massive boom in consumer spending so yeah you know to finish the analogy right you wire everyone to 1 million dollars what happens well they're going to quit their job and they're going to start spending like crazy and it's exactly what we've seen happen right people quitting their jobs and spending like crazy. You know what? You have a grasp on this stuff and you have
0: a, a, a view on it. And I'm going to ask you a, uh, this is a uh, a bit of a non sequitur, but I'm just dying. Now that I thought about it, I'm dying to get your perspective. So I read a book called Fake Money and, and it basically says the premise is that all the... You know, all the growth in our country over the last four years in asset prices, both equities and real estate, et cetera, is basically just because of quantitative easing over the last four years, starting with the Reagan administration. And that it's sustainable as long as we don't have inflation. Now we're starting to have inflation, or we have. And they believe that, you know, the stock market could come down another 30% from where we are, and, and real estate prices could come down dramatically. What's your take on that?
1: I think it's really hard to see real estate prices come down for any time, any long period of time, because. Inflation, right? So, so it, you know, if rents, if inflation causes rents to double and you're a multifamily investor, what's going to happen to your multifamily project? Well, that's going to double, right? So uh, I I think there's a lot of, you know, I think Doomsday sells a lot of books and a lot of newsletters. and But I think a lot of it's overstated. And these are people that, you know, don't like what's going on. Hey, I don't like what's going on. But you know, I'm, I'm an engineer by training. I'm more, I'm really a pragmatist, you know, it's like, show me what you got and let's figure out what it's going to do and, and how to build it. You know, uh, it isn't, it isn't what I think we should have done, but it's where we're at. I got it.
0: General question. I know that you guys have done, and I, and I think you've you've either co would In my vernacular, may not be appropriate, but I know you've you know you've you've uh, partnered with a local uh, neighborhood strip guy in KC, non-grocery anchored. So you clearly like that asset class.
1: Oh, we love it.
0: Yeah, you love it. I've invested in that as well. Not in that Good one. I apologize. Uh, I I'd done something earlier before that came out. But I guess is Aspen Funds at this point, like strategically, are you guys like looking for sponsors in different asset classes that you guys are bullish on? Or is it more just situational where you just meet people that you you really like and trust and get comfortable with? You go, hey, you know what? I like you. I believe in what you're doing. We'll go to our network and raise money.
1: Yeah, no, it's not opportunistic purely. We we definitely want to be uh, first. Decide what we think is going to work. Then we, we 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 find the strategies that are going to best going to going to you know uh, exploit those trends, and then we find the operator. So we want to be very much top down, uh, very much driven. You know, you know, having gone through the dot com crash and. You know, uh, and and the 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 more recent crashes. You know, we've we're, we we kind of want to, we want to get stuff where the mega trends are are behind us, right? The big the big 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 trends. The glaciers are moving our direction. You know, I I saw. You know, I was in, I had a dot com in the dot com days and. Didn't matter how crappy your com was, it went up and it didn't matter how good your com was in 2001. It went down. Right. And so I really want to know what time it is and what's working. And so we, we first look, it's one of the reasons we spend so much time thinking about economics. We want to look at what are the trends? What are the trends that are the most powerful trends in the planet right now? And we want to get that as a as a tailwind, and then we pick the best operators and best strategies. Then we find the projects, and so it just adds this layer of protection, right? So even if even if we whiff on a project, we make, we make a mistake. I mean, the best of us have made mistakes, right? And or, or you underestimate something or overestimate something. But I want to have that tailwind so that it it really it makes up for any you know surprises. So that's really our our thesis.
0: Do you have a sense, so you and I have been, been on the earth approximately the same amount of time, as far as I know, and I could be wrong, but even the term alternative investments is not that old. And I guess, do you have a view uh, about percentage of one's portfolio that should be in alternative investments versus traditional, the traditional market? Do you think it's a mistake to have 100% of one's portfolio in alternative investments? I, I know that like big family offices stick to maybe a 60 40 but I guess what's what's your gut take on that
1: yeah well I guess uh you know I'm making a big mistake because I'm I'm a hundred percent you know I'm just so sick of the public markets um you know gotten creamed a few a few times and then I ran a hedge fund for a few years that did so so well for five years until all of a sudden it didn't you know um so uh, you know I'm I'm just allergic to the public markets. Uh, but, you know, you know, billionaires are typically around 50% invested in the, in the public markets. And so, you know, I think, I think that's a good number, you know, get out of the public markets and uh, 50% into something that's much more predictable. You know, it's really superior, higher returns, superior in, in every way except liquidity.
0: Yeah. And again, I mean, liquidity, if you're, if, you know, depending on what you're worth, liquidity could just be overrated. If if you, if you're worth $50 million, do you need to be liquid? I mean, beyond having a couple million bucks and, you know, in a, in a, in a CD account. Yeah. Well,
1: and stats say that while people make a lot of choices based on liquidity, they never use the liquidity. So, so people overestimate their need for liquidity. Right. And, uh, a mistake.
0: Yeah, I, I get it. I get it, man. Well, people are sheep too, and it just it, it is what it is.
1: What, what would you say,
0: Bob? Are we're coming up on I don't know, close to an hour? What would you say are key lessons you you have learned? And I, I know you've learned a lot of them.
1: Well, we don't have enough time for that. We, <laughs> focus in a little bit, you know. Uh, I'll, and thank you for bringing up all the painful scars. I just appreciate that,
0: <laughs> Hey, you're welcome. Of course. You know, look, I I don't want to disappoint you. You know, investing, investment philosophy. You
1: know, well, you know, I mean, old as old as the book is. You know, invest, find out of favor assets. You know, which is why I like the retail. You know, the stuff. I, I'm Roger. We're getting cap rates. You know, n- you know, nine percent cap rates in this retail stuff. And uh, you know, I'm like that is out of favor. The only way something can get to a 9% cap rate is just massively out of favor. You know, same with oil, oil and gas. I won't even tell you what our cap rates are. I mean, you know, you know, it's uh, you know, it's it's extremely high, and that tells you how out of favor the the assets are. So buying out of favor assets, buying when everyone else is 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 afraid, right, it is the time you want to be buying. It's interesting, you know, capital raising you know, people don't want retail right now. And, and they're in spite of the cap rates. And it's like, you know, the people have these narratives playing in their head. You gotta, you gotta change the narratives in your head with numbers and with facts and not emotions, you know? I, I get it. Um, well, you know, non, non-neighborhood,
0: uh, you know, you know, neighborhood retail, you know, I'm paying attention to it cause I invested in some of that myself. And I, so whenever I'm like out of town or whatever, and I just, whether it's in Florida or LA, I mean, it's just one strip center after another. into to my way of seeing things, and maybe this is just confirmation bias, but I don't see a lot of vacancies. And There's not. Yeah. And, and I mean, whether it's a liquor store, uh, whether it's a barber shop, a hair salon, a massage parlor, a restaurant, uh, you know, if you want to go down the ladder a little bit, it's a tattoo parlor, uh, you know, a, 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 a smoke shop. You know, there's just a lot of things out there that just are if, not going
1: to be replaced. If this, this stuff is really going to hit the fan, liquor stores are the place you want to be. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: right?
1: <laughs> you know, liquor stores did, did great during, you know, all the big pullbacks. And, you know, I'm, I'm tongue in cheek, but but the truth is, you know, people are going to take care of their dogs. They're going to get a haircut. And, you know, on, anyhow, it's just, it's all overblown. I, I think industrial is another hugely missed sector. So... There is a, you know, there's been a huge industrial, you know, resurgence in America, and largely distribution has been, you know, but the uh, the internet boom, the internet commerce boom, which is which is peaking, it's kind of it's kind of uh, plateauing, but this onshoring trend is massive and it's a multi decade trend. Roger, we're going to see lots and lots of companies coming back. We're already seeing it. We're seeing vacancy rates below two percent in some places in industrial real estate. And so we're, we're buying and building as much industrial as we, as we flipping can right now. We're, we're just and you know, the prices, there's nothing available for sale. So we're building. Oh, you and, are. Uh, yeah. 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 And we we're hugely bullish on that. We just couldn't be more, more bullish. I, I want to buy more and more industrial and, uh, and, um, you know, those, are, those are, those are very important. I think, you know, uh, and oil and gas, very, very bullish in oil and gas, as you know. So, Yeah.
0: Well, listen, uh, you have been wonderful as, as you were last time. I will be knocking on your door uh, a year from now to, to do this again. Uh, if somebody were to be so inclined to learn a little bit more about about you, Bob, Bob Fraser and Aspen Funds, or how would they do that? Well, come on over
1: to AspenFunds.us.
0: AspenFunds.us. Uh, you're a gentleman. I appreciate the time and look forward to doing it again. And I hope you have a, a rest of uh,
1: a great year. Pleasure. And- Uh, hope hope you and all your listeners have a fantastically prosperous year. Thank you very much. Okie doke.